All right. Wow, it's good to be here. It's good to see some of the faces back. Uh, thanks for praying for all those folks uh, that we get to have with us in the summer and the season, so we're thankful for you guys. Um, we are in a series that uh, has, I, I personally have learned a lot. I hope that ha- for those of you who've been here for some of this, it's been really good for you. But just to update you, if you're, if you're new with us right now, we're calling it Running with Giants, and we're looking at uh, characters in the Hebrew Scripture, what Christians call the Old Testament, that were, uh, through the history of it, are interacting with God and having struggles and, and uh, successes and trying to figure out how to walk in faith, and whether they're people who were uh, kings or whether they had no title at all, these are people that we can learn from as regular followers of, of Jesus in, the, in this era. Just because they are, you know, like today, we're going to look at a guy's 3,000 years ago. So that's a long time. But we're going to learn a lot from this guy. In fact, I mean, I just couldn't stop getting stuff out of this guy's life. Just the short little bit that we have about him is just amazing. And I hope that you will uh, be able to, to jump in with me on that. This guy's name is Hezekiah. And you may or may not have heard of Hezekiah. He's one of the kings that the Hebrew people had. So a few weeks ago, we talked about Hannah. Hannah prayed for the God to provide her with a son. He gave her a son. That son then was the person who anointed King Saul. And if you had any like Bible background at all, you might remember Saul. Then Saul doesn't do so well. And, and then Samuel anoints the next guy, and that's David. Well, this is about 250 or 300 years later. Lots of things have happened. There have been a lot of different kings. And the people have... Uh, led by their kings, just strayed all over the place. And if you've ever read through this, you've seen it. It says something like this. You see a regular pattern of, and so-and-so was king, and he did good in the sight of the Lord. And then so-and-so was king, and then he really screwed it up. And then so-and-so was king, and he screwed it up. And then this next guy, and the balance is that they don't do so well. But Hezekiah is one of the guys who comes along and does things pretty well. He's still a broken guy, and we'll see that in his story. His dad was a a guy named Ahaz, and Ahaz uh, didn't, uh, he he was one of those guys who did poorly, if you will, as a king and a leader of his people. But the thing that I want to show you and unfold for you is we see the the narrative of just a few chapters of, uh, of Hezekiah's life is the principles of leadership that this guy lived out were amazing. And so I just want to pick out a few of those things, these principles of leadership that I want you to see and each one of us needs to see. And I hope in starting this, I don't have to convince you, each one of you, that you are a leader. Leadership is not something reserved for people in certain positions. Everyone is leading by influence other people. Just to give you a quick example, you might be a boss, And I know there are a lot of people in this community who are bosses. You should really pay attention to Hezekiah. You might have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a spouse. You are leading those people. Okay, you can, leadership is kind of like, it's it's never neutral. We're either leading and it's setting example and pulling people and encouraging them, or we're going the other direction and, and dragging them down. That may be an extreme thing to say, but it's probably true. So um, uh, we are all, whether you're a son, a sibling, uh, a father or a mother, a cousin, 
your uh, teacher, your uh, friend, all of us are leading. And so this applies to you. You are influencing other people. And so what I want to encourage you to do as we look at these principles in Hezekiah's life is to really try to think about them in, the, in whatever, however tiny you, your, you may think your situation of leadership is. Uh, maybe it's a broken situation right now. Maybe it's something you're struggling with. Maybe it's something you're enjoying. But where is it as a, that you can engage uh, the, these principles of leadership? And I think if you can think of one or two places where you're in a relationship where it really matters how you are interacting, that that these principles will help you. So let me just start out by saying that we're all influencers. If you're a believer in here, though, Jesus has given us an additional responsibility, another mantle, and that is this. He says one of the most important things he says right at the end of his ministry, he says, make disciples, help bring people up to know me well. This is something that I'm super excited about Drew on our, on our team it, we, about is that Drew is committed to helping men grow spiritually. And that's what we're supposed to be about. And so if you're a believer, this is really important to you as well. And the, the influence that you have in the secular world, at work, at, at home, wherever it may be. So be thinking about that. So three points as we go through, as we look at these, we're going to see uh, Hezekiah's story unfold. And then these three points will kind of direct us to the things that are happening. One is restoration, one is crisis, and one is arrogance or pride. Okay, restoration, crisis, and pride or arrogance. So let's start. Uh, we're going to be, there's, there's two uh, sections of the Hebrew scripture that talk about the kings. And one is called kings. Uh, so it's pretty easy to figure that out. And then the other one's called Chronicles. And so there's First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. And we're going to go back and forth in Second Kings and Second Chronicles. And we're going to start in Second Chronicles. I'm sure you can all just flip it open real quickly. Uh, but so that's why they have that little index in the front of your Bible to tell you where it is. Also, we'll put it on the board up here. Second Chronicles 29. And we're going to start right at the beginning. So Hezekiah, this is, this is uh, we're going to start talking about this idea of restoration first, but let me, let me give you the situation. Hezekiah began to reign when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did, here it is, what was right in the sight of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. When it says David, his father, it means his ancestral father, because his actual father was Ahaz. Okay, so it's this huge lineage that the Hebrew people are committed to. So verse 3, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, right at the beginning, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and he repaired them of the temple. And he brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square to the east. And he said, hear me, Levites. These are the people who ran the temple, who were in charge of the relationship between the people and God. He says, uh, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, to the God of your fathers, and carry out the filth from this holy place. For our fathers have been unfaithful and have done what is evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. Now skip to verse 11. Son, my sons, do not be negligent, for the Lord has chosen you 
to stand in his presence, to minister to him and to, the, and to be his ministers and make offerings to him. And the beginning of verse 12 says, then the Levites arose. So let's talk about this idea of restoration. And in, in here, in this point, we're going to see several different things that are revealed about how Hezekiah is leading other people. So start to think about how this relates to people that you are in relationship with. All right? Restoration is about making things right, about dealing with things that need to be made right. And this is what the first part of his story is all about. And you you might have noticed it says, in the first month of the first year of his reign, the very first thing that he did was he addressed the relationship of the people with God. He fixed the doors of the temple because it had been so messed up. It had been neglected by everybody. And so he goes and he fixes that. Here's the principle. We need to address the hard things, the most important thing first. How many of y'all just love to address the hard thing first? Okay, I'm just going to take from the chuckles that there's like two or two of you out there, but I am not necessarily one of those people. This is an important lesson for me. When we see that there is something critical that has to be taken care of, as hard as it might be, first things first. First on the list, first to get taken care of. It's really important. And there's always something in there with relationships that we know we need to address. Always. In our relationships with our employees, with our friends, with the people that we work for, there's stuff that needs to be addressed. First things first. And that's what he did. But what it's hard to understand how incredible this decision was. So he had been, he's one of the sons of Ahaz, right? And Ahaz had done poorly in the sight of the Lord. He'd, he'd just done, made a mess of things. To go in and go directly against all that his father had done was a pretty major thing to do in that culture. But that's the very first thing that he did. And it was hard. It was a bold message for his people of renewal and hope. And that's what leaders bring. That's what we bring to relationships if we're doing it well. We bring a bold message of renewal and hope. How many of you love relationships where somebody just whines? Okay. Again, I'm going to take that as most of you prefer to be spoken to positively and encouraged with a message of hope. Uh, He is inspiring these people by the things that he's saying, even though he's dealing with a hard thing. He's empowering and inspiring them by his words rather than complaining. It is so, and here's how one reason you know that you're in a leadership relationship. If you've ever complained about anything that's happening, you're in a leadership position. Because you see something that could be done better. And you're saying something about it. But you're not doing anything about it. You're just complaining or whining or hurting, you know, inside. Instead of doing something. And Hezekiah does boldly, but he does it positively. All right? And I'm sure it was very challenging in that community to do that. But did you notice at the very end of that passage, it says he tells these people what to do. He says, this is where we're headed. In the, and he says, Levites, this is your role. And what did they do? They arose. They got up and went. And because he spoke, part of it was because God was at it, obviously, doing this. But he spoke positively about what they were doing to them. If you're a boss, think about that. A spouse, a boyfriend, or a girlfriend. All right, here's another really important principle. Your past does not determine how good of a leader you might be. 
Okay, it doesn't matter your, your personal history or your parental history or your ancestry. I, I know all of us are weighed down by those things. Oh man, you know, this is where my parents messed it up. This is where my dad, this is where my mom, this is what, I just can't help it. I'm stuck in this. This is what I did before. I'm, I just can't get out of this. this is, I, God can't forgive me for what I did. All of these things that are in our, there is no doubt that we have consequences because of what we've done. We have scars. We have scars from our parents. All of that stuff is definitely true. It's very biblical too. However, we are not bound by those things. Those do not trap us and prevent us from moving forward to be who God made us to be in leadership towards others. Did you notice at the beginning, it says, it, it describes his mother's lineage. It says he's the daughter, he's the son of Abijah, okay? You might not have heard of Abijah, but they knew who she was, right? One of the things that Ahaz did, had done, was that he had sacrificed some of his sons, the princes, to other gods. Fairly, you know, significant thing to do and against the principles of God, right? So I I almost wonder, I don't know if this is true, but you wonder if if the author is saying something like, this might describe why Hezekiah is a decent guy because of this woman that you guys are aware of, this, this one of the queen, who is one of the, well, concubines of the king. And so he's trying to describe this, but this is so important for us to understand, this idea that our past doesn't determine our future, especially if you're a Christian. The, the whole New Testament is the story of transformation, reconciliation, and being made new. And that happens when we become a believer. The old things are gone. New things have come. And yet we still are weighed down by this world, by the things that we think of and make up and do on our own, the burdens that we carry. However, we are made new. We never have to be trapped by the past. This is an amazing message that is in the gospel. It's about renewal and reconciliation with God and it goes forward. It's not based on what we did or didn't do or what we are gonna do or not do. It's about what he did. That's critical to us understanding how we can engage with other people in relationship and help lead and serve and influence them. Here's another thing that he does. He holds fast to God in difficult times. So we're going to flip to 2 Kings 18 in verse 5. So he trusted in the Lord, this is Hezekiah, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him. This is some hyperbole, I think, from the, from the author. None like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. This guy was really connected to God for he held, here's the key, he held fast to the Lord. The spiritual life of this guy, he was holding fast to God. That is our anchor. That is our foundation. That's the rock that we stand on. He held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him. He struggled, but he did not depart. He kept the commandments of the Lord and the commandments of Moses. This was a big deal to the people. And it's a big deal to the people that we're around and that we're influencing, that we care about, that we hold, if you're a believer especially, that we hold fast to who he is. And if you're not a believer, it's important to hold fast to the principles that are right and not change and not waver and like something happens and you change your mind and you just drift. This is what the, the one true God is all about, the truth and continuing in that. There was a, when I was a middle school kid, uh, we, we played a game in our youth group, I thought it was just the greatest thing ever. And you, if you're a guy, you'll really understand this. I think it was called Taffy Pull. But what would happen is all of the guys, we, we would play this at camp, you know, we'd have, a, you know, 100 guys and 100 girls. 
and you would, uh, all the guys would latch on to each other as tight as they could, and then all the girls would pull as hard as they could to rip the guys off of the pile. Now, when you're in junior high, this is awesome, you know, because you're really wondering what girl is going to try to pull your legs off of, you know, and so this is something that I really wanted to be good at. (laughs) And so over the years, I learned the trick. What I learned to do was hold on tightly to the right person, okay, because I wasn't necessarily the strongest guy, okay, (laughs) look at this, okay, so... I would have to find the right person to hold on to. And you would, here's the trick. You would get like, if this was Mike, we would face each other and I would hold on to like his shoulders and him under our arms. I mean like nobody's business for everything you got, okay? And what's great is at the end, there's just a couple guys left and there's a ton of girls (laughs) just pulling like, these guys are so strong. (laughs) What guy doesn't want to hear that, right? All... Your whole, I would always tr- pick the right guy once I learned to hold on tightly to. So when everything else came, all the pressures, every, I was holding on to that person. They were holding on to me and we were going to get to the end. All right. This is a, <laughs> I know that's a strange illustration, <laughs> but I think you get the idea of just deeply holding on to God. And that's just exactly what it says in that passage, that he held on tightly to God, and it mattered to the people that that's what he did. He held on tightly. And if you know God, you know that that's where you need to be. And when we're not there, when we're just pulled off, slung out on the side, out of the game, we know what that feels like. So, uh, all right, so that's another principle. Here's another thing that happens. Let me uh, jump up to, back to Second Chronicles again. This is all in his process of renewing the temple and renewing the relationship that people had with God. Second Chronicles 30, 23. The whole assembly agreed together to keep the feast going another seven days. This thing was going so great. This re- re- restoration of worship of God was so great that they're going to party some more. All right, so all the people are together. So they kept it for another seven days with gladness. For Hezekiah, the king of, and here's the thing, the king of Judah gave the assembly a thousand bulls and 7,000 sheep for offerings. They would make these offerings and they would eat the offerings. They didn't just waste that. And the princes, these are the brothers of the king, gave the assembly a thousand bulls and 10,000 sheep. Here's the hallmark that we see here. He was generous with his people. He was generous with his people. Again, How many of y'all like a stingy boss, a stingy friend? How many of you are inspired by that kind of thing? The Scrooge, uh (laughs) uh-oh. All right, you need to hear this, probably. (laughs) I need to hear this. I'm a cheap guy. And there is is an importance to generosity in relationships. He gives up his own wealth for the good of the people that he's leading. How does this, think about this in terms of relation. I mean, try to put this, when you're wrestling with your child, when, you, when you're wrestling with your parents, whatever age, generosity speaks volumes, okay? Your words, the way you come, whether you come with negativity and criticism or encouragement speaks volumes, okay? This is a whole other way of coming at it. And it all, all this is in the first part of the story of Hezekiah. And did you notice he gives a thousand bulls 
when you drive through, like when we drive to our house during the summer, it's a pain in the rear because we have to do this pinball thing with the, the cows, right? And then their poop all up our street. We live in Meridian Lake. So it's just this, you know, you know, they're standing there and you wait for them for a long time. Those are the cows. This is a thousand bulls. Now, I, I don't know the value of a thousand bulls, but some of you do in our culture. And it was a big deal back then as it's a big deal now. This is a very generous gift. And he, and he led the other princes, the other people around him, the other folks who had influence to do the same thing. So generosity is a characteristic that's important that we see in his life. All right, a couple more around this, this part of restoration. Those words of encouragement that he gave, it gets very specific later in Second Chronicles in uh, chapter 30, verse 22. Hezekiah spoke, this is what it says. I'm not making this up. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. Hezekiah spoke encouragingly to the Levites. These are the people that were employing what, was, what his vision was. He spoke empl- encouragingly to the Levites who showed good skill and service to the Lord. He saw what they were doing. He said, this is good. And he encouraged them in that. These are the things that we need to look for in the people that we're working with, that we're enjoying life with, that we're in relationship with, to bring out the best in them. It may not always benefit us, but we're bringing out the best in who they are, right? Who doesn't like that? That doesn't mean we don't tell the truth about what's going on in people's lives. We, as leaders, we need to do that. But this, is, this section of this passage is, is more about how he helps them capitalize on who they are, what they were born into to do. That's the Levites, born into this job. He, my, one of my old uh, leaders used to say, you always want to say three positives for any negative that you want to tell somebody. And it helps. If you're going to have to tell somebody something tough, tell them three positive things. Women, when you're talking to your husband about what they... <laughs> Didn't get done. <laughs> no offense. I just kind of, that's how it goes. Okay. Um, words of encouragement. Okay, one last, one last thing is that what he saw was most critical was the relationship of the people with God. That was what he saw as most critical. He wanted to repair the relationship of the people with God. And so he, the first thing he does in the first month the first year is he repairs the doors. I don't think he did that personally, but he had it done. And that changed the whole front of that building, right? That temple and opens the doors. He opens the way for the people to be reconnected to God. You know, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, that's what we need to do. We need to build, open the doors for people to follow him. And that's mission critical to who we are. And that's, that's how I would summarize the restoration idea of this this thing that Hezekiah does, it's so powerful. He is restoring what is good, and that's a relationship with the people with God. And our, our mission as a church is reconciliation. We are basically all doors around the neighborhood that we are to open to, the, to people to be introduced to who Jesus is. All right, well, no one is immune or exempt from crisis, from really bad things happening. This is something that we almost intrinsically want to believe is that if we do certain things then nothing bad will happen, right? We just kind of think that. And we always, we always pray for healing. I really appreciate it. I don't know who prayed, but for this guy who's suffering from cancer, yes, please, God, heal. Heal our friend, but let us find peace in you and what you are doing. 
And, and this is the, the thing that, that Hezekiah is going to learn about. That crisis is going to come. Suffering is going to come. And as leaders, as people in relationship, as human beings, we need to be prepared for that, no matter how great we think we are, how good we think things should be. Suffering, crisis is going to come. And Hezekiah's crisis was a bad one. It was about as bad as it can get for a leader and for your, well, in any culture. Because what had happened was the Assyrians, if you know a little bit about ancient, you know, Eastern uh, history, the Assyrians were a bad mess of people. They did not screw around when it came to hurting the people that they were going to uh, try to conquer. So uh, this guy, Sennacherib, is his name. He's the Assyrian king. He sent his armies to come in. They're taking over Judah town by town and just decimating the place. Problems, the problem is coming, and it's working its way towards Jerusalem, and there's going to be a siege. It can't get worse than this. This is uh, 2 Chronicles 32. In the first verse, it says, after these things and these acts of faithfulness, this is an editorial comment by the writer. After all this great stuff that Hezekiah did, you would think that it was going to go good, right? I mean, look at what he did. We just wrote you two chapters about the goodness of this guy and how awesome he was and how he devoted to God, how he held on and was faithful and all that. Well, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them for himself. It cannot get worse than this. It can't get worse in your family, in any relationship that you have, at your job, anywhere. It cannot be worse than what's happening to these people right here. So the reason I say that is that we are looking at a person who is at the heights of good things and is now in one of the greatest struggles that you could ever face. So the first thing he does, and this is the leadership principle, is that he prepares solutions for dealing with this. And you might be familiar with this. Hezekiah actually uh, clogs up all of the, uh, the springs all around the city so that there's no water for this army who's going to lay siege. So he builds up the walls, and then he digs a tunnel through solid rock. I don't know that he does it, but he has a tunnel built that's, I think, 3,000 feet long, 1,700 meters or so. And so... Wait, that's longer than that. Yeah. So uh, don't ever, I, I get people to help me with math, okay? Just say that out loud. So uh, they build this tunnel through the rock to bring water from one of the springs into the city so that they have water because they have no spring in the city. So he's looking ahead to this problem and he's preparing to deal with it through a pretty massive project. Actually, they build this temple, they meet, I mean this temple, this tunnel, they meet in the middle. I don't know how you do that underground, but they did that. And so the tunnel is still there today in Jerusalem. So this is the thing that he does to provide. He looks out to solutions. And that's what leaders do. We look for a thing. We look ahead and see what's coming. And we help our people, the people that are depending on us, prepare for those things. But let me tell you this. If you're working for somebody, leaders love solutions. They do. Just try it. Go to, instead of going and saying, we've got this big problem, I don't know how we're going to handle it, this is the end of the world, and blah, 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 then instead say, hey, so-and-so, I have three options for you to help solve this problem. If, you've, if you're a boss, you know what I'm talking about. If you're a parent, if your kids come and say, I really want to do this, I don't know how, I know you won't like it, so here's three solutions. 
hey, mom and dad, I know that you're struggling with your health and your money and everything. Here's three solutions. I've thought them through. How can I help you with this? Solutions work. If you're a boss, how much do you like a solution rather than like, hey, fix this? You know, you, I know you guys. You, don't want, you want somebody to come and tell you, here's how I see this can be done. And this is where we bring goodness. And this is about this too. I mean, this may not, the gospel is like this. It is the solution. And that's how this all ties together. It's such a beautiful thing that starts way back then. This is the solution that God provides for us. Well, Sennacherib is a genius. What he does is he sends his uh, commanders and they go up near the walls and the walls aren't that big, Jerusalem. And they, they have this parlay, if you will, outside with the leaders, the, the war leaders of uh, the people from Jerusalem. Okay, so the two kings send these people out. And, and what they do is the, the uh, people from Sennacherib's group talk really loudly about how no one has survived their sieges in the past. Nobody. So, so they say it so that the people that are listening on the wall can hear it. And he says, they say things like, oh, all the gods that they had, your gods just like them, they, were, they could not uh, defend against us, were too powerful. And the, the uh, people from, from Judah said, hey, can you guys just speak in a different language? We have another language we can understand. They said, no, we're going to go ahead and speak in your language. So the people on the wall can really hear what's going on. So they were threatening them that way. And so this, this thing's going on. They try to, to prevent. And Hezekiah tells his people, and he gets this message from, from the prophet Isaiah, who's at the same time. He says, trust in God. You can trust in him despite what these people say. And this is another example of him holding on tightly to God. Trust in God through whatever comes your way. And what, what Hezekiah does is he takes this letter that these uh, military leaders write, and he takes it, they, he gets it in the city, and he takes it directly to God. We're going to skip to uh, 2 Kings 19 right there, Jerry. Take, this is my principle, a couple more principles, by the way, we're almost done. Take your concerns to God. I, it's, I love how he does this. Um, they read the message to him. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and he read it. And he went up to the house of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord. He just took it and he put it out and we don't have a temple like they had. But, you know, a principle that you, when we have big stuff, I think this is, a, if we were to write out what our big stuff was and say, God, here it is. I'm sitting on my coffee table. I'm giving this to you. This is what it is. This is a great principle. He laid it out. I, Hezekiah just loaded with these steps of leadership. If we're going to lead, if we're going to do what we're called to do in relationship and what we naturally do, one of the things we can do to do it well is to lay things out in front of God and just bring them to him. And then he prays. This is uh, verse 15. Hezekiah prayed and he said, O God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are God alone. You are of all kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Please hear, O Lord, and open your eyes and see the words of Sennacherib. He does the exact same thing Hannah did. We saw it with Isaiah too. God, you are above all things and somehow you care about me. 
and my little stuff. This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we're talking about. He is above all things. He is not wooden, metal, or made up. And he is above all, all of those things. We can trust him. And somehow he cares about the parts of our life that matter to us. So no matter how small, we can lay those things in front of him. And no matter how big, we can lay those things in front of him. All right, last thing. Hezekiah is just like us. He makes mistakes. In the last chapter of his story, well, it's not quite the last, but it's one of the last things they write about, is that is it he falls into arrogance and pride. And I spent a lot of time thinking about this and what that actually meant and what it could mean to us. But what Hezekiah does is, is he shows off the wealth of his kingdom. And he, he gets healed, actually. He has a critical disease and he's about to die and God allows him to live and he, and he takes it for granted. He says, this is me. He doesn't give credit to God and this matters to God. He takes the credit for what he has done, for his success, for his wisdom, for the good things that have happened to him. He just doesn't turn that over to, to the one true God. And because of that, there are many different things that, that fall out because of it. But if you'll read with me in Second Chronicles 32, 25, Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him. For his heart was proud, and therefore wrath came upon him. And here's the critical thing. Not just him, but Judah and Jerusalem. So, when we're in relationship and we're influencing other people, the decisions we make, our relationship with God, the, whether we take him for granted or not, whether we're walking away on our own path, it, or if we are walking away, that makes a difference to the people that are around us that care, that we're impacting. So when you catch, and I catch myself being ungrateful, when I'm focused on myself, when I'm showing off what I have done and how great I am and feeling so confident, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the things that God has given, whether it be health, wealth, or whatever, but when we think those things are ours and we have done them and they, we are the ones who are the, the progenitors of that good stuff, then that's when we're in a dangerous place and our, and our people that we care about can suffer. So these, these are some of the principles that I wanted to share with you that we can engage with. And I'm, I just want to close there. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to head out. God, you are, uh, you are good and you're above all things. You're the rock that we can hold on to when everything is being pulled apart. When all of the powerful people say that it doesn't matter if we follow you, that it's going to crumble. Yeah, that's been said before. It's nothing new. Um, Lord, you are not destabilized by the words of men, no matter how big or powerful or wise those men are. And so I just, I pray, God, that we would remember that and that as people who are all leaders, that we would um, just grab on to the principles that Hezekiah had. Let us face those things that, are, that we're struggling with and depend on you utterly and trust you through them. Because we, we all have these things, Lord. Let us, let's turn our hearts to you in each of them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all have a great afternoon.